0: This is Tom. Thank you for joining me for this fourth edition of our new podcast, The Fourth Watch. Fewer than four minutes is what I like to say. I want to keep these short, but always give you something that you can walk away with, share with family, friends, coworkers, classmates, really anyone who might need a kind word or an interesting new or little-known take on something. Anyway, this week marks the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, and it's true We commemorated the 75th anniversary of the unconditional surrender of Nazi Germany in early May of this year, May 8 to be exact. But in 1945, if you'll remember your history, we still had four more months of war with Japan, even after Germany capitulated on May 8. Like the war in the African, Mediterranean, and European theaters and throughout the Battle of the Atlantic, The war in the Pacific was costly and frankly quite grisly with soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines slugging it out in places with names that are all too familiar to us today. But in 1941 and 1942, even as late as September 2nd, 1945, when the Japanese signed the surrender documents, no one had ever heard of what were then the almost ominous sounding names of those Pacific islands and atolls where American men and boys battled fanatical Japanese forces in fights literally to the death, regardless of circumstance, because most Japanese soldiers refused to surrender. We're familiar with those island names today. Guadalcanal, Macon or Machin, Tarawa, Kwajalein, Eniwetok, Saipan, Tinian, Peleliu, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, and that's only a few of them. My own Marine Corps, which had earned a reputation as one of the world's truly elite fighting forces after the bloody 1918 fighting in France in World War I, further enhanced its reputation in the Pacific during World War II, which reminds me of a great story. During the Battle of Iwo Jima, Navy Secretary James Forrestal was standing next to General Holland Smith on the weather deck of one of the offshore ships when the flag was raised atop Mount Suribachi. Of course, all the thousands of ships' horns and whistles started blasting, and the Marines who were ashore started cheering, which prompted Forrestal to turn to General Smith and say, Holland, the raising of that flag on Suribachi means a Marine Corps for the next 500 years. Anyway, point in all of this, those men who wrested control of East Asia and the Pacific from the grip of the Japanese Empire, like the men who defeated Germany and Europe, literally saved the world. And most of them are now gone. My own stepdad, who joined the Marine Corps on his 17th birthday, a few months after the Japanese surrender, is now 91 years old. So all the guys who fought, if they're still living, are, of course, older than that. Think about that this week and especially on September 2nd, which is again the 75th anniversary of the end of the war, we owe so much to our elderly generations. Someone once laughingly said to me, Tom, you sure love old people. And I guess I do. How could any of us not? Anyway, thank you for listening. Tell others. Our next podcast will be in a week or so, and God bless all of you.